right, guys, we're back for hopefully a very quick episode here. Uh, Leighton put out an episode recently where he uh, responded to some things that I said about fatalism, the first part of my uh, episode on fatalism, and he came away thinking that I was saying something that I definitely, definitely was not saying. And so I just want to clear these things up because I was just, I never really saw that coming, let's put it that way. I'm going to play through some of this. What he basically says is that I as a consistent Calvinist, and and quote-unquote admitting or saying that fatalism is basically determinism plus a negative mindset. So that you can take all of what determinism is and just put a negative mindset on top of it, and it becomes fatalism. And I think that this couldn't be further from the truth. And I think that if you listen to my entire episode, um, I make it very clear that there's more than just the negative mindset that differentiates fatalism from determinism. In fact, it is the differences between fatalism and determinism which results in the mindset in the first place. Okay, It is a ignoring of the critical information that determinism brings out, such as who or what's doing the determining, why it's determined, causal connection, and what part man plays in it with his choices and his efforts. It's when you ignore those things, it's when you rip those things out of determinism, that you're left with the basic and bare definitions of fatalism, which say that, well, things are determined and there's nothing you can do about it. That was my point of the episode. And so for Leighton to come away thinking that my point was, and unfortunately now most of his audience thinks that I'm saying that fatalism is determinism plus a negative mindset. Now, Leighton, I want to be very clear here from the start about my intentions here. I am not holding this, you know, quote-unquote misrepresentation of me against you in a negative sense. Uh, I want to be very clear that I recognize that in the second half of your episode, you point to an article that you uh, wrote several years ago responding to a Calvinist who actually says that theistic fatalism is the idea that God has determined all things, including the means to the ends, so on and so forth. But what I'm what I'm going get, to get at here is that I think that because you have already had that in mind, that when you heard me start to say what I said, your mind instantly jumped to that, right? To what that Calvinist said. And no offense to that Calvinist, but I would never, I would never, I'm speaking for myself now, I would never say what he said. I would never say that theistic fatalism or fatalism at all is even remotely close to full-blown determinism for the reasons that I'm about to lay out. But I just want to be clear from the start. Um, let me speak for myself, clear some things up, and keep in mind that I fully understand and acknowledge that you are operating and responding to a Calvinist who has who has said these things, but my point is that it it is it was wrong to conflate what that guy said with the point of my episode because my episode was interacting with fatalistic definition fatalism the definitions of fatalism um, that you're just going to find in everyday dictionaries right um, and we're going to get to the idea of quote unquote theistic fatalism specifically later on and I'm going to ask you for definitions of that as well I just want to want you to keep in mind I I am well aware of your response to that particular Calvinist. All I'm saying is hear me out on what I meant with my entire episode and what I said at the beginning, which led you to think that I was saying exactly what that Calvinist was saying when I wasn't. That's not the point of my episode. So let me play really quick what I said. And I'll, I have to be nice about this. I'll admit that if, if you were to just play this first part of me and then stop it there, I suppose you could sort of get away with what Leighton was thinking I said. But Leighton is still doing a lot of assuming into what I said here. So listen to this really quick. Consistent Calvinist podcast answering the question, are Calvinists fatalists? So back to the question at hand, are Calvinists fatalists? My answer to that question is no, because fatalism is more than just a recognition that things are determined. 
as you're going to see when we read these definitions, fatalism includes a, a mindset and an application of what I believe to be an illogical false assumption based upon things being determined, but nonetheless, it is a mindset and an application of, of an attitude of resignation towards events, right? It's just this, well, since it's going to happen, why bother to do anything type of attitude, right? That is inherent in fatalism. So there you see me uh, briefly mentioning that fatalism, the definitions that I go over in the episode, it includes the idea that things are determined. And Leighton is going to hear, interpret my phrase, things are determined, as determinism, meaning all things with causality and God planning and purposing and God causing and our efforts means to ends and all this stuff that Calvinism is and determinism is, is somehow contained within my statement that, that fatalism says that things are determined. So listen to this. Um, when, when he's talking about fatalism, notice what he's saying. It's, it's more than just believing in determinism. So he confesses, yes, fatalism is a belief in determinism. It's not what I said. It's a mindset or an application of your belief in determinism. I said fatalism includes the idea that things are determined. Now, Leighton, everybody's worldview has the idea that things are determined, right? Everybody, even you believe that at least some things are determined, right? Does that make you a determinist? No, it doesn't, right? In the context of our discussion, a determinist is someone who believes that all things are determined, number one, but that also believes in the idea of causality, causal connection, the, the idea that our actions and our choices are part of the picture, all these critical things about determinism. That is what you just read into my simple statement that things are determined. But the important point here is that, as I point out in my episode, if people go listen to it, is that most of the definitions of fatalism, since they exclude those very critical points of determinism, since they don't have the things that make determinism determinism, fatalism is actually very, very applicable to um, even a free will Christian worldview. And people rarely stop to realize it. And in a minute here, I'm going to go and give some examples, some very simple examples to demonstrate that you can take almost any definition of fatalism and apply it to anybody's view. Right, because these definitions are far too vague uh, to actually be narrowed down into the determinism as Leighton is trying to say here. So I'm very confused when you say uh, something like this. So it's not it's not a difference of belief. Fatalists believe the exact same thing that the determinist does. All things, both the ends and the means, are determined by God. They both believe the exact same thing. And that's just false. I'm sorry. Because the whole point is, why is the negative mindset there in the first place? If you believe that the ends and the means, which would include your actions, are determined and part of the picture, then there's no room for a fatalistic mindset. The reason there is a fatalistic mindset is because the fatalist, fatalism, is assuming that your efforts aren't part of the picture. This is why one of the most common definitions is, well, events are fixed in advance and you're powerless to change them. Well, if you're powerless to change them, that means that's implying that your power, quote unquote, your efforts aren't part of what's fixed. Because if it is all part of what's fixed, then it doesn't make any sense to talk about your efforts as being separate from those things, does it? And yet this is one of the common definitions of fatalism, and it's why it's not determinism. Okay, so we fatalists and determinists are not believing the exact same things with just a difference in attitude. Um, this is demonstrable by definitions themselves. And it's at this point where I would say, if you're disagreeing with what I'm saying, can you please provide, you know, I read definitions, lots of definitions in my episode. I went to the first page of Google and I just started reading through definitions. Can you provide a single definition of fatalism and, and quote the source and I'll stand corrected, but a single definition of fatalism that says what you just said, that 
both the means and the ends are included, that uh, human choices are part of what's what's occurring and, and that they matter, um, where are you getting this definition from? And it just seems to me that it's something that you're sort of formulating yourself. The difference is how they apply that belief. In other words, the mindset that develops because of that belief in determinism. And that's the whole point is why is there, why would determinism, um, if it's included in, in its entirety with all that important information that I've repeated, why would that produce a negative mindset? It, it, it wouldn't. The negative mindset is the assumption that your efforts don't matter, which is not determinism. That's fatalism. And that's why they're different. Okay. So my argument here is actually that the further you move into determinism, the more stuff you include, the more details you give, the more importance you place on causality and connection and human effort being part of the picture. When you reach that point of full-blown determinism, you don't have any room for a fatalistic attitude anymore. It's only when you start moving away from and start taking pieces out of determinism by f falsely assuming, as I've said multiple times, that your efforts don't matter. That is where a fatalistic mindset comes from, right? So fatalistic mindset is what fatalism is because it's not determinism. That's the point. That's why all the definitions that you can find um, are different from definitions of determinism, right? Show me a single definition of fatalism that includes the concept of determinism, right? Full-blown causality, causal connection. You're not going to find it. They are completely distinct concepts because once you, once again, move into determinism, there's no room for a negative mindset, right? So anybody who's going to claim to be a determinist, but who would also have a fatalistic mindset, they're not being consistent with their beliefs, right? Even you said when you were a Calvinist, um, you had a fatalistic mindset. Now, the question is, did you have a fatalistic mindset because you were being consistent with your beliefs or because you were being inconsistent with your beliefs? My claim is you were, you were being inconsistent with your beliefs. And you even recognize here um, towards the beginning of your episode. I do believe there is a difference between being a Calvinist, a consistent Calvinist, and being a fatalist. I do believe there's a difference between that. So which were you when you were being fatalistic in your mindset as a Calvinist? Were you being a consistent Calvinist or an inconsistent one? And I think this is where you're sort of going in circles on what you're really trying to put forward here, because my claim is that consistent Calvinism is not fatalism. That's my point. And the reason it's not fatalism is because when you have all the information that determinism offers, that's what makes it not fatalism. It's not just the mindset. It is the recognition of all that important information as well. So the way I think of it is that fatalism is basically like the leftover shell of a car with everything ripped out of it, right? So if you take determinism, you're trying to say that fatalism is all of determinism, right? Fatalism is basically determinism with a different paint job. And I'm saying, no, fatalism is you take the car and you rip out the engine and you rip out the chairs. You rip out causal connection. You rip out God being the one determining things. You rip out the fact that he's given purpose to it all. You rip out the fact that man's efforts and choices play a part and that's, that it's connected to these various things. You rip all that out and all you're left with is things are determined and all these false assumptions, right? All these fatalistic false assumptions because all you have is the basic shell that, well, things are determined. And yet without all that other information, that was my only point when I started my episode off by saying that that's the only thing that fatalism and determinism have in common is things being determined. I, I said that's the only thing. I didn't say they have everything in common except the mindset. I said the things being, things being determined is the only thing they have in common. But how they're determined, why they're determined, in what way they're connected, and all that stuff is 
not included in fatalism, and that's why fatalism is not determinism. Now, at this point, you might be saying, well, well, that's just bare fatalism. I'm talking about theological fatalism. Well, number one, my episode was not addressing that as a specific term. And I think that if you're going to, sh- uh, you know, again, I would challenge you to definitions, and I would say, can you quote me a source that uses theological fatalism as a, as a phrase or a term in the way that you used it in this particular episode? So after playing what I've already played, I want to play a couple more things that you said repeatedly throughout this episode that fatalism is basically determinism. I just want to play a couple things here. Both systems of thought clearly affirm God's, God's cause of all things, including the ends and their respective means. So in other words, both of them believe in EDD, exhausted divine determinism. The theistic determinist believes it, the fatalist believes it. They both believe the same doctrines, okay? And I'm just asking, where do you find that definition? Where, where do you find the definition? See, when I Google theistic fatalism, it's actually a specific term that is talking about the, the age-old conundrum of how can free will be true if God knows the future, right? If God creates you knowing everything you're going to do, how do you really have free will? Because all you're going to do is what he knows you're going to do. That's another discussion. Not, not, don't have time for it here. But the point is, that is what theistic fatalism, quote-unquote, as a phrase has come to mean. But you seem to have your own version, right, of or label theistic fatalism, and I'm just looking for where you're getting your definition from. Because what I can tell you right now is, based on all the definitions of bare fatalism that I read, you're not just taking fatalism and throwing God into the mix and calling it theistic fatalism, right? Because once again, fatalism is not determinism for all the reasons I've listed off. And all the clear definitions are far too vague for that, right? So where are you getting your definition that theistic fatalism is theistic determinism just with a negative mindset? That's what I want to know. Now, I do want to say that whether or not you can show me a definition doesn't really change, necessarily change the point of your episode on whether or not, you know, Calvinism can lead to fatalism. I'm not really raising it as an argument per se. I'm simply defending myself against what I believe to be an unintentional, you know, I'm not saying it's malicious or intentional on your part, but a very unintentional, very big misrepresentation um, based on what I said. And I want to just show really quickly that I went on to say very clearly, I, I went on to lay out the differences, and this is this is what Leighton played. I went out to lay out the differences between fatalism and determinism as definitions and concepts. And yet Leighton basically brushes that off instead of realizing, okay, you know what? Uh, Colin wasn't really saying that fatalism is determinism. Um, I kind of messed up there. He just sort of brushes it off and gets distracted by some side chats. But let me play this real quick. Um, there's no real rhyme, real rhyme or reason to what those events are or why they're happening. You know, reasons aren't mentioned. Um, there's no mention of causality at all. As you're going to see, um, determinism is based 100% on causality and a connection between events. So that events are leading to events are leading to events. There's there's a connection there, right? But with all these definitions that we go through of fatalism, fatalism doesn't really convey the idea of causality at all, right? Or causative connections between what you're looking at and what comes before or after them. Also, the idea of quote-unquote events is undefined in all of these things. And so you really sort of have to ask, you know, especially in the definitions that don't say all events, which events are you talking about? And this brings me to another important point of the difference between a fatalism and determinism is that fatalism often starts with, with you. It starts, it starts with the person, and we look out at events, right, that are outside of us, and we're, we're looking at those as the events. And therefore, we then look back at our actions and think that they're pointless or whatnot. But a deterministic worldview is more looking at, the, at, at reality from the top down. 
and it's focusing on the fact that you are included in that web of causes and effects, right? You don't transcend it. You're not separate from it. You are part of the picture. So it looks at it more from the top down and tries to see the big picture and realize that you play a part in it, right? And so there's me laying out, and Leighton played that, and notice that went all the way through. He didn't have much to say because I think even he realized uh, that I had just sort of corrected his misunderstanding of me saying that fatalism was determinism. It clearly isn't for the reasons I just laid out. But instead of addressing those reasons, Leighton says... Okay, so what he's getting to here is God ordains the ends as well as the means. Is basically, in a nutshell, what he's trying to get to. Whereas on fatalism it's not so much emphasized the means by which all things are determined, but of course a, a fatalist would also believe all the means are determined just as much as all the ends are. Uh but, but that's the point. Fatalists don't believe that, Leighton. It's not that fatalism just doesn't seem to emphasize the means as much. There are definitions of fatalism which specifically ex drive a wedge between human action and what's determined. That's where this negative attitude of, oh, it's inevitable, I can't stop it, my actions don't matter. That's why fatalism is fatalism. It's not just a lack of emphasis on the means to the ends as if it's included. It's completely excluded by the definitions of fatalism. Fatalists don't believe that all things, including the means and including their own actions, are part of what's determined. Right? The, and I challenge you again. Show me definitions that support your claim. That, well, fatalism does actually include everything from start to finish, all the means, causality, Human effort, it's all included. It just doesn't really emphasize those things as much. And he, then he goes on. Um, but the, the determinist is focusing upon the fact that they may be one of those means, therefore they should behave. They should do what they're, we're called to do. Exactly. Um, and I want to inter, 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 interact with some of the sign chat. Jason, Jing. And so instead of recognizing my distinction, which I just laid out, between fatalism and determinism as definitions and concepts, he starts to go on through side chat, and then he just repeats the theme throughout the episode that fatalists are determinists just with a a, 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 a sad attitude, a, a misapplication, and it's just not true. Now, I'd like to go back, as I said, um, I'm going to give some examples of showing. I've got a couple quick questions for Leighton to show that when you read basic definitions of fatalism, you can apply it to anybody's view, right? So, Leighton, you believe in eternal security. You believe that when someone is saved, they can't end up not saved, right? And so, can somebody... Right, your your episode is titled "Can uh, Does Calvinism Lead to Fatalism?" Well, can your worldview lead to fatalism? Can people have fatalistic attitudes even within your view? And the obvious answer is yes. I mean, how many times do we as Christians have to point out that there's a major problem in Christianity where people who believe in eternal security say that, well, if I'm saved and that nothing's going to change that, then it doesn't matter what I do. I can go on sinning, right? I don't have to combat my sin. Nothing. It doesn't matter what I do. Um, because I'm going to be saved no matter what. That, by definition, is fatalistic thinking, right? It's not de it's not deterministic thinking. It's not full-blown determinism, because you would be considering your actions if you were thinking deterministically. But to say that my actions don't matter because I'm going to be saved no matter what, by definition, that is fatalism. So even in your view, your view can produce a fatalistic mindset. People can be fatalists even within your view. And so this shows that when you try to paint fatalism as only possible in a deterministic view, full-blown deterministic view, it's just wrong, right? That's why fatalism is not determinism plus an ignorant mindset. Fatalism is a bare and basic shell of a car idea that there are things that are determined, and therefore yes, the false assumption that my efforts aren't part of what's determined and therefore don't matter, right? And that is actually, once again...
the great irony here, and what I pointed out in my episode, if you listen to it in its entirety, is that fatalism really only makes sense in a non-deterministic view. Fatalism, the mindset that your efforts don't matter, only makes sense if you believe that your efforts aren't part of what's determined, right? And if you go and read the definitions of fatalism, most of them line up with that idea. They are excluding and removing human effort and choice and action from the things that are determined. That's why I pointed out that fatalism starts with you and looks outward and falsely concludes that your efforts don't matter, whereas determinism looks down on all things, including you, and understands them to be a part of the picture. So here's my question. If, if we're going to admit that anybody can live fatalistically, right, even, even recognizing that some things are determined can lead to fatalism, then your definition here, your consistent definition in this episode that fatalism is full-blown determinism is just false on the spot, right? If, if definitions of fatalism can be applied to even worldviews which thinks, thinks that only some things are determined, then by definition, fatalism is not full-blown determinism just with a negative mindset, right? Your, your entire usage of the term is sort of refuted on the spot when you admit that all the definitions of fatalism can actually be applied to your own view. And what's funny, and this, is, this adds to the irony, there's actually no real way for you to escape definitions of fatalism being applied to even your free will worldview, worldview because you're going to try to escape application of those definitions by pointing out more information than the definitions themselves give. So in other words, if I read a definition that says that all things are predetermined and therefore inevitable, and I say that Leighton, even you believe that all things are predetermined and therefore inevitable, what do you say to that? Now, if you say that I don't believe all things are determined, um, then you must be an open theist, right? Because anybody who's not an open theist, which is 99.9% of Christians, although that number could be going down, um, anybody who's not an open theist recognizes that the future is fixed. You see, it doesn't matter if God's determining things or you're determining things, or it's a mixture of both. It doesn't matter who's doing the determining. Your worldview still recognizes that all things are predetermined and therefore inevitable, right? Even if you did some of the predetermining, it's still predetermined and therefore inevitable. So if I were to say that, therefore, based on this definition, you believe that all things are predetermined and therefore inevitable, why aren't you a fatalist? You're going to have to point out information that's not in the definition. You're going to have to say, well, it doesn't say who's, who's doing the determining, right? And if we go back to the, the eternal security topic, if I quote a definition that says something like, events are fixed in advance and you're powerless to change them, well, if you're saved, your future salvation and glorification is fixed in advance and you're powerless to change them. How do you avoid the accusation, therefore, that you're a fatalist, right? And if you start saying, well, it's because I don't believe that all things are determined, well, the definition doesn't say that, right? That would be determinism. That would be a different definition of a different word and a different concept entirely, which would refute your claim here that fatalism is determinism in its entirety, right? Fatalism is not determinism. They don't believe the exact same things. And all you got to do is go through the definitions to see that this is the case, I'd also like to quickly address something you've you've said quite frequently. I can't remember if you said it in this episode, but I know in my episode titled Abandoning Our Free Will Intuitions, you were talking with Braxton Hunter, and you said a couple times that Calvinists have to live as though determinism isn't true. And yet, you never lay out what would it look like, right? My question for you is, what would it look like for me to live as if determinism were true? Because I think that's how I live every day, right? 
when we 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 all live like this, right? We all live with the understanding that determinism is true, that our choices have consequences, that our actions have deterministic results on the future, right? The very idea of thought process and deliberation, you couldn't even think in a straight line if determinism weren't true. If one thought didn't lead to the next thought leads to the next thought, you couldn't even think in a straight line if you were just have, having random thoughts, right? Determinism has to be true. And when we finally go from the thought process and the deliberation into a final choice that you make, you make that choice knowing or considering that your actions have deterministic results on the future, right? So you think deterministically when you don't go and eat double cheeseburgers every day because you know that since determinism is true, if you eat double cheeseburgers every day, you're going to die of a heart attack, probably, right? And yet that is a deterministic mindset, and it's how we live. It's reasonable. It makes sense. So um, why would you say that I, as a determinist, can't live with what I believe or live in a way that I'm, I'm being consistent with what I believe? And it just seems to me that you're assuming, again, that if, that if I were to be consistent, I would have to be fatalistic rather than deterministic, right? So instead of the idea that if I eat double cheeseburgers every day, I will die of a heart attack, therefore maybe I shouldn't do that, that's tr deterministic mindset. That's the way we all hopefully and usually live. A, a fatalistic mindset would disconnect my actions from the end results because it's not determinism once again. And it would say that, well, I'm fated to die one day. I can't avoid the fact that I'm going to die. I won't live forever. Therefore, it doesn't matter how I live. And I'm going to go eat double cheeseburgers every day because, you know, it doesn't matter. That's a fatalistic mindset. It's completely irrational. Most of us don't live that way or think that way. And you just have to ask once again, which is a more consistent application of the ideas of determinism? And so once again, what would it look like for me to live consistently with the deterministic mindset? I just laid out what it would look like with a, with an, a cheesy double cheeseburger example. But what are you saying? Because you just say it. You just say, well, Calvinists can't live consistently with their deterministic views. But, but why? What, 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 how should I be living if I were? And you don't really ever say and I think that if you were to try to say what you would put out is a fatalistic concept, which, as I'm demonstrating over and over here, is not a deterministic uh, concept or mindset or application. Fatalism comes about when you ignore critical information about simple things like causality and how it's all connected. So another important point right along these lines, very briefly, is the fact that we don't know the future, right? That's, that's an extremely important point that people... Um, need to realize is that we aren't supposed to make presumptions about the future and then base our actions or lack of actions upon that presumption. So when I gave the example that someone's drowning and the fatalist says, well, it doesn't matter what I do, so I'm not going to throw a rope, whereas the determinist says, since determinism is true, the only way this guy's going to live is if I do throw him a rope, so maybe I should. Those are two completely different mindsets based upon two completely different understandings and concepts, right? The fatalist isn't necessarily saying, I know exactly what the future holds, but what they're saying is, I know for sure that my efforts don't matter in terms of the future. The determinist is saying, I don't know exactly what the future holds, but I know that my efforts do matter. And therefore, that knowledge and understanding and application is going to contribute to the way I live my life. So as Christians, even though we recognize that God has determined all things, we don't know what God has determined or how God has determined it. But we do know that if he has determined something, he's determined how it comes about and why it comes about and whether or not we play a part. So again, as determinists, we know that if the, only per the only way this person is going to live is if we throw him a rope, then we should throw him a rope, right?
and that would be living consistently with a deterministic mindset. So I again, I've never understood this accusation that you can't live consistently with a deterministic mindset. That would only be true if you knew the future, right? If I knew, for example, that the person drowning was going to die even if I threw him a rope, well, then maybe I could sit there and say, well, then I'm just not going to throw a rope, right? But I don't know that. I don't know the future. And since I don't know that, a deterministic mindset is the only logical way to live and to conduct our lives by. I want to respond to another quick point here. It's a very important one. Uh, Leighton's going to address a question from chat. He says, but one thing I don't understand is why does it have to be full on determinism on God's part? Can he not determine some things without determining others? Exactly. So this argument can be attacked from so many different directions that it would make your head spin. Uh, first and foremost, any time that God takes an action, he's going to foreknow the results of that action, right? It doesn't matter how wide the scope is, whether he's dealing with a single person or an entire nation or the entire planet or a part of the planet or whatever. Anytime God takes an action, he's not just knowing the immediate results as if there's some sort of time period where his determination of a particular thing is taking effects on the things around it. God knows the entire future on through eternity of whatever action he's going to take, right? So when you look back over your life and you recognize, oh yeah, that was God working there and I see what God was doing there. Well, remember, he did those things knowing exactly what it would result in you doing, not just immediately, but on throughout your entire future. So my question is, how can you believe that God can determine one thing and not all things, at least with regards to your life, when he takes an action in your life, if he knows the entire results uh, of, of his action, right? And another angle to consider this from is the simple fact that, you know, God created everything. That was a single action, and he knew the results of that creation. And so by taking that action, he determines everything that results from that action. You also have to remember the important point that I have always made with verses like Hebrews 1.3, which said that God upholds the existence of all things, right? Um, even the free will side is forced to recognize that nothing can even come to pass unless God willingly chooses to exert the power so that it can come to pass. So I have a question. It doesn't matter what it is you're going to point at. Can whatever it is you're pointing at in this in this creation, can it be occurring in the first place unless God determined to keep whatever it is that's happening in existence? And so clearly, if everything that comes to pass, God must determine to bring it to pass by his sustaining power, then God is determining all things, right? This is a very critical point I've, I've really never heard an, an answer to, right? How is it that God can, according to the free will side, there are things that are occurring in this universe that God is not in control of, that is as ridiculous as saying that God is not in control of his own sustaining power. That's that's what you're saying there. Because if nothing can come to pass apart from God's sustaining power, then to say so, something is occurring that God is not in control of is like saying God is not in control of the way in which he is exerting his own power over his own creation. And I think that that is laughable. So this is what Calvinists, we've got so many different angles to attack the idea of can there be things that God is not controlling or not determining? We've got all these angles to, to, to attack it from, and it just blows my mind that, that Leighton, people like Leighton can just say, well, God determines some things, but not all things, and consider it some sort of crazy outlandish claim when a Calvinist says that God is actually determining all things. There's, there's very simple, logical uh, reasons for our belief in this. Now, Leighton, I've never heard Leighton really give an answer to this other than to just call it a fallacy and throw it off to the side, but it's not a fallacy at all. God knows if I take this action, all of this is going to result. And so by taking that action, he's determining the results, period, right? And what Leighton commonly does is he says, well, just because God knows something will happen doesn't mean he determined it. But remember, in this instance, we're talking about God, 
and he's knowing the results of his own action. He's not just re- he's not just knowing things about things he has nothing to do with. This is why when we start throwing out um, analogies, humanistic analogies, like you know, I can foreknow something on the other side of the planet that I have nothing to do with, and see if I can do that, right? And my foreknowledge of something I have nothing to do with doesn't cause doesn't determine it. Then why can't God do the same thing? The reason you can do that and God can't is because there are things that exist that you have nothing to do with. But with God, that's not the case. Everything that exists was created by him, and everything that continues to exist is sustained by him. So there are no things, there are no other side, quote-unquote, other sides of the planet that God can look at that he has nothing to do with to begin with, right? And you can bring this all the way back to the one action to create, right? This is one of the, the simplest and yet strongest, in my opinion, arguments against the free will side. God knows the results of his own actions, and so God knows if he creates this universe, X, Y, and Z will result. And so by creating the universe in that way, X, Y, and Z are, he's determining that X, Y, and Z will come about, period. And in order for something other than X, Y, and Z to come about, he would have to create, the the only way anything other than what God knows will come about as a result of his own action would come about is if he changed his action, if he created differently, or if he took a particular action differently right? Only then would the future of that action be different. So you can't escape God being in control of all things if you admit that he is determined at least to create all things, right? Very simple. And again, I'm not speaking as a Calvinist here. I'm addressing the free will side. These are the problems the free will side has. When I start talking about God, you know, merely foreknowing this or that, I'm addressing the logical problem that you have. Um, And this all just, once again, I've mentioned in past episodes, if God created you differently, different time, different place, different parents, right? Would your life have been different, right? The only answer you can give is yes. So how can you possibly deny then that God is determining which life you have, all of which life you have, the entire life of which life you have, based upon his action to create you when and where and how he does, right? So my question, you want to say God can determine one thing without determining everything? If God has a million different ways he can create you, and he chooses which of the ways he's going to create you, and each of those million ways is a completely different life that you might have, how is God not by determining one thing that that you're created in a particular way, not also determining all the things that he knew would result from him creating you in that way? That's that's the question I would throw back to uh, to the free will side. Now, I want to make another quick point, because um, Leighton goes on immediately to give an example of God determining one thing, right? So Leighton does admit that at least God determines some things, and he's going to give an example here, and I have a point to make. That's exactly what we believe. He does determine some things. He determined, for example, the writing of Scripture. So God determined the writing of Scripture. But Leighton, how did he determine it? Right? You have to ask the how question. Right? How did God determine the writing of Scripture? And if, if you were consistent with the way in which you commonly argue against Calvinism and God determining a particular thing, your answer would just be, well, the, the how is not important. The how doesn't matter. If I were to ask you, why is Scripture the way that Scripture is, your answer, if you were consistent with the way you address Calvinism, your answer should just be, because God determined it, right? The only reason, according to you, that Scripture is the way it is, is because God determined it. But I think you would even be forced to recognize that the way in which God determined Scripture to be written is also important. How can God determine that Scripture be the way it is without also determining or being at least in control of the thoughts that were passing through the author's heads? And the reason those thoughts were passing through their heads, such as what they were experiencing in their lives, and the, and the way that God was working in them, through them, or around them throughout their entire lives, which was resulting in them writing the very things that they wrote. And so if you recognize that, 
that scripture is the way it is, not only because God determined it to be that way, ultimately, sure. But how did God determine it to be that way? You can also include the thoughts of the very authors who wrote the books of the Bible, right? And so if, if that is a consistent answer coming from your side, um, why is it then that every time a Calvinist tries to point out that God isn't the only reason, he might be the ultimate reason, but he's not the only reason that things are happening, and we can also look at the storyline level and see why things are happening, why is it you never accept that answer from us? And I would like to quote here, um, even in just this episode, multiple times, I'm going to play him here, multiple times you said that if God determines something, then it's the only reason it's coming about. Listen to these. They have to confess that the only reason anybody would become Calvinistic or fatalistic, either one, is because is because ultimately God theistically determines them to become that way. So you mentioned ultimately and only as if those are identical things. But my whole point here is they're not, right? Ultimately, God can be said to be determining that all. So when you ask why something happens, yeah, ultimately God determined it. But how God determined it is also an important question to ask. And in order to answer the how question, you have to look at the storyline level and realize that Sure, God determines if somebody's going to be fatalistic or deterministic, but how they come to be thinking that is also part of the picture. And that includes what they study, who they listen to, the way that they think, right? So God is not the only reason things are happening. He might be the ultimate reason, but he's not the only reason. Here's another one. This is the, this is the problem, is if anybody becomes a theistic fatalist instead of a good theistic determinist like yourself, it's only because God determined for them to become a theistic fatalist. It's only because God determined them to be, right? So you just get to ignore the how on the storyline level. You get to ignore what they studied and why they thought what they thought and what caused them and moved them to think that way. It's just, well, God determined it. And yet when I ask you why the Bible is the way it is, are you just going to say because God determined it? Did God just snap his fingers and teleport the Bible into existence? No, he used multiple authors over multiple centuries and it includes their thoughts and what they put down, um, what they wrote down, right? Those things are part of why Scripture is the way it is. So why don't Calvinists get to point those things out on the storyline level as well? There's another one. The fatalist applies that in such a way as to say, my behavior doesn't matter, therefore. I, it, it, shouldn't, it doesn't matter. I, it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter if we're involved or not, okay? But the only reason they think that way or they do that is because God determines them to. Again, the only reason. That's just false, right? It's the ultimate reason, but it's not the only reason. You're ignoring the how and the why that comes to pass on the storyline level. And there are reasons behind that as well. Here's another one. But some do. And the reason that they do is God on Calvinism. And so the only reason that a person who believes in theistic determinism doesn't become a fatalist is because God determines them not to become a fatalist. And the only reason that a theistic determinist might become a fatalist is because God determines them to become a fatalist. And that's... So, over and over again, the only reason, the only reason, the only reason, right? And yet, if you were to be consistent, when you admit that God does determine some things, like the writing of Scripture, and I ask you why Scripture is the way it is, are you going to be consistent and say, well, the only reason is God? No. You're forced to recognize that God just does things in particular ways, right? Here's another one. And the only reason he would ever do that is because God ultimately determined for him to do that. The only reason. See, again, you said the only reason is ultimately God. You're conflating ultimate with only. And this is, no offense, this is one of your biggest errors in arguing against Calvinists, is you want to recognize that God can be in ultimate control of something, and yet there's still storyline information on your view. 
such as the writing of scripture. But when Calvinists talk about God determining things and then point to the storyline level as to the outplay of the how and the why God determined it, you don't want to grant that we're allowed to give those answers. This was made abundantly clear in my episode titled, Is Calvinism Inconsistent? I I encourage people to go check that out. Here's uh, one more. And therefore, the only reason you go witness to Joe is because God determined for you to go witness to Joe. The only reason that you ever witness to somebody, if Calvinism is true, the only reason is God, God determined you to do it. But we all know that's not true, right, Leighton? It's the ultimate reason, but it's not the only reason. There are storyline level reasons why God, uh, or how God, in what in what way God determined that to come about, which can include the Holy Spirit working in us to move us to want to do it. It can include our reading the Bible and obeying the command, obeying the command to go, you know, witness to Joe. Again, there's a difference between ultimate and only. And uh, so multiple times throughout this entire episode, you said over and over and over again that if God determined that something had happened, then God's the only reason that it happens. When you know, as well as I do, that God's the ultimate reason it happened, but there are storyline level reasons why it happens. And if you were to be consistent then with the way you argue against Calvinists and this whole idea of God's the only reason, then when I ask you why the Bible is the way that it is, what should your answer be? If you were consistent, your answer would be because God, and that's it, right? God's the only reason the Bible is the way it is. End of story, end of discussion. Doesn't have anything to do with the lives of the individuals who wrote it. Doesn't have anything to do with the thoughts that were passing through their brains when they wrote it. It's just because God. But we all know that's absurd. Okay? That was a very uh, important point that I wanted to make. Um, and once again, at my next episode, I'm going to try to do another really brief one as soon as possible. I'm going to specifically address Leighton Flowers' continual, since the beginning of time, um, just... God determined it, God determined it, God determined it. That's the only answer, God determined it. Objection, right? Which he repeated multiple times in this very episode. And just show that, that it's it's a very weak argument that is not taking everything into account. And it can very easily be flipped back on uh, the other side. Because both sides need to address God in the transcendent position. Both sides are going to have God being the ultimate reason things happen. Whether the free will side wants to admit it or not, God allowed everything that occurs when he could have stopped it right? That is an ultimate reason why something is happening. You might point to causation and say that God didn't cause it ultimately, but at the end of the day, it only ultimately came to pass because God allowed it to. So God might not have actively planned or purposed it, but he reactively planned it and allowed it into his plan, and and it, it occurred. He reactively determined that it occur by allowing it when he could have stopped it. You also have to face the fact that God created the people involved. That is an an ultimate reason that something happens. You also have to recognize that God upholds the existence of those people while whatever it is is occurring is occurring. That's an ultimate reason why it happens. And yet, if I were to sit there and say, well, that's the only reason that it happens, right? The only reason anything ever happens is because God allowed it, or because God upheld it, or because God created it. We all know that's those are not the only reasons, but they are ultimate reasons no matter which side you're on. I'll bring that out more in the next episode. So I just want to say at the end here, the I hope I hope my point has been clear. Uh, once again, Leighton, I know you you were you quote a Calvinist who says that this is what theistic fatalism is. My question is: Is there a dictionary source that can show that that Calvinist to be properly using that term? If so, I'm happy to say, okay, I see where you're coming from in that angle. At the same time, uh, it doesn't change my episode. My episode was dealing with. Uh, Definitions of fatalism straight out of the dictionary, making particular points of all the critical information that is absent in, in the definitions of fatalism, but is present in the definitions of determinism, so on and so forth. And so I just hope that you can see how, while again, not intentional on your part, there was a conflation between the idea of fatalism being determinism just with 
uh, negative mindset attached to it. That was definitely not the uh, overall point of my episode. So thanks once again, guys. If you found this interesting, please spread it around. You can find Consistent Calvinism Podcast on all your favorite podcasting apps. You can find Consistent Calvinism on YouTube. Subscribe there. And you can follow the Twitter at the letter C Calvinism, at C Calvinism. Um, Again, apologize. I've been very busy lately. I'm going to try to get another episode out here very quickly. Uh, In case you guys are wondering, especially Leighton, I am still eventually going to get around to an episode on what role influences play in our choices? How does influences and determinism relate? What, like, how does how do influences work in determinism? And I'm also going to get around to the the big juicy episode on is God the author of sin or evil? Right, very interesting topics. And you're just going to have to be a little patient with me as I uh, go through some things. I just left my current job to pursue a side business, and life's very interesting right now. So thank you guys for your patience, and thanks again, Leighton, for being um, r- very even though, again, misrepresentation here, I'm not holding that against you. I think you've been very, very nice uh, with your interactions with me so far, and I really appreciate that. Please don't mistake my stubborn tone at times for not being, quote-unquote, nice. Right? I think we can get along just fine, and I appreciate that. So you guys take it easy, and remember, remember to stay consistent, my friends.